sponsored by the National Retail Federation. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Wednesday, November 22nd. Here's what's driving the day. Just hours ago, a deal was struck between Israel and Hamas, brokered by the U.S., Qatar, and Egypt. Fifty hostages will be released from Hamas, and we know three Americans are part of the hostage group. In exchange, Israel will release around 150 Palestinian prisoners, women, and teenagers. Joining me now to walk through all of the new updates involving the release of hostages in the Middle East is our national security reporter, Alex Ward. Alex, good morning. Uh, good morning. Pleasure to be with uh, back with you, I should say. Yeah, thanks for coming back. It's quite the quite the news day for for your deal. Out of the things I just said, are there other parts of this deal that that I didn't go through that folks should really know? Yes, there will be a pause in fighting that will last about four to five days. And another element of this is that and there's an incentive structure for Hamas to release even more hostages during the pause. For every ten. Hostages, extra. Hamas releases beyond the 50, there will be an extras day pause. So let's say it's the five days hits, 50 hostages release. If all of a sudden on the fifth day, Hamas releases 10 more, so we're at 60, we have another day, and so on and so forth. There are also some elements about military movements and where aircraft can fly or not. But the main part of the deal is what we've discussed, which is the hostage for prisoner exchange, the fighting pause time, and the incentive to keep releasing more hostages to add on more pause days. Alex, you were on a call with the administration last night, kind of walking reporters through what happened here. So what did they tell you about how this deal got done? Yeah, it was an excruciating, in their words, excruciating uh, five-week process. I, I, I have a piece up on Politico.com that you can read, but the very, very short version of this is that after the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel, you know, shortly after that, uh, Qatar reached out to the Biden administration saying, hey, we have general information on the hostages and an opportunity to get them released. That set off Weeks of intense diplomacy, calls between Biden and Netanyahu, calls between Brett McGurk, the top Middle East aide in the White House with Qatar, Israel. He flew to the region. It led to sort of off and on agreements and, and you know, fits and starts. In fact, one of the more interesting things we learned is that before Israel launched its invasion of Gaza, there was a deal on the table, effectively this deal on the table. But there wasn't enough confidence between the U.S. and Israel that Hamas had proven that it was willing to do this. And so they let that go. Israel continued its invasion. But we are told the invasion plans were made as such so that if there was ever going to be a pause, it could happen. Brings us to these last couple days where, you know, final text was being sent back and forth and the world's most consequential game of telephone right between the U.S., Israel, Qatar, Hamas and back, unless we forget there were some communications blackouts in Gaza, which made things harder. But anyway, in the last few days, they were basically agreeing to the final text. The Israeli government agreed to it Tuesday night. Hamas came out with a statement saying, we agree. And so even though there's no like official announcement, let's say from the US or Qatar, when you have both sides of an agreement saying they agree, we have an agreement. Yeah, yeah. One question I have is, how did they pick these 50 hostages that are that are a part of this? Did, did the administration kind of go through that for you guys? It's sort of tough to know at this point. They didn't want to go too much. I think what we can say at this point is that these were 50 people that Hamas was able to identify and sort of confirm where they are. 
that and that gave the U.S. confidence that they could be released. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's not wholly clear how these folks were chosen, but I think the the easiest thing we can go with is these were the fifty people that everyone involved in this process believed could be released, and that there was a pathway to see their release. The outstanding question on any deal like this is how long is it going to last, right? Like, is this something that both sides are actually going to stick to? And I guess, how are the experts that you're talking to feeling about this deal sticking and more importantly, going through the five days and kind of getting the, you know, the the 10 hostages this day, 10 hostages that day? How do they feel about how this is going to shake out? Uh, I mean, everyone's nervous, right? I mean, even before the deal was done, Everyone is effectively saying, you know, it's not done until it's done, until it's announced. And even now that it's announced, it could still fall apart. Who knows what will happen as hostages try to make a treacherous journey out of Gaza. You know, Hamas has had a lot of its leadership killed as part of Israel's operation. Their command and control is unclear, right? Who's to say some Hamas militant or, you know, some Israeli soldier or whatnot goes a bit rogue and and decides to sort of break the, the break in hostilities, Maybe Hamas has lied in some way. We don't really know. I mean, this is still a dangerous, treacherous situation, but there is hope because we have an agreement now and that we could see hostages return home to their loved ones, including, of course, three Americans, you know, the, right before or right after Thanksgiving. And it's it's an important moment. It's a milestone in this conflict that is nearly 50 days old because it's the first time Israel and Hamas have agreed to a de-escalation. And what will be important here, and we don't necessarily want to pass over, is when there is a break in fighting like this, that allows for a lot more humanitarian aid to get into Gaza. And so there are tons of people, Palestinians in Gaza especially, suffering because of this. And so as more aid gets in, aid workers can do their job. Those trucks can get in without as much a threat of being shot at or destroyed. It's easier for the people of Gaza to go and get that support, which is another reason why the administration, it seems, is very much for this sort of extra incentive of 10 more hostages for another day. Because the more time that there's a pause, the more time there is for negotiation, for aid, etc. So this is, I, I would say, this deal, while there can always break down, there are always pitfalls and these kinds of things, it is, it's a glimmer of light in a pretty dark time. Yeah. What does the deal pretend for kind of later pauses and maybe a possible actual ceasefire? Does it give those same people hope that those things are possible? If you support a ceasefire, and by that, let's definitionally, you mean like an indefinite cessation of hostilities. That's not this. This is... But does, but does this give anybody hope that a ceasefire at some point is possible? Well, or no. People not read into that. No, I wouldn't. I, I don't think it is possible, yeah. uh, not only now, but not necessarily in the future, because the administration in Israel both want to see Hamas destroyed. In fact, the Israeli statement in which they say we agree to this deal still mentioned, by the way, we still want to destroy Hamas. But what I do think you can hang on to is the administration has been clear about their strategy. Support Israel militarily but also push for pauses because this is the best way to get these breaks in fighting, to get more humanitarian aid in, et cetera. So I think you could see more pauses down the line. Of course, it depends on how many hostages mm-hmm. are released now, how they are released, and if they are successful. But if that all goes well, I think you could see a few more of these down the line as fighting continues. Yeah. Do we know how many hostages are left? And, and, and you know, this is an American audience for the most part. So how many of those are, are Americans? So the the estimate is 240 total hostages. So if we save 50 
uh, are released. I was never great at math, but I believe that puts us at around 190. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and there will be, I would say, a, you know, a dozen, dozens or so Americans remaining, but there are still some unaccounted for. I mean, I think we need to be clear that there will still be the vast majority of hostages still in Hamas captivity, roughly a fifth of them. Again, I'm not good at math, but I think that checks out and still Americans uh, left behind. But this is, as we should note, the first of what could be uh, multiple pauses and multiple instances of this. However, the administration has, has made its, uh, you know, on that call that we discussed, has made its position clear. This is still an opportunity for Hamas to release all of the hostages. You know, it doesn't have to just be 50, which is why that incentive structure is there, which is why the, the administration's messaging is there. You know, this could be a one and done. It's unlikely. No one is holding out hope for that. But the possibility is not zero. Yeah. Alex, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for jumping on with us. You have a lot of work to do, especially as this kind of all shakes out, and we will probably be calling on you again. All right, I'll be even more sleep-deprived then, I'm sure. Thank you, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are both out. President Biden is in Nantucket with no public events scheduled. And us, also getting some time off. Playbook Daily Briefing will be off tomorrow and Friday for the holiday, but we will be back Monday, November 27th, up in your ear. Until then, I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening and happy Turkey Day. The National Retail Federation and CNBC launched their new monthly CNBC and NRF Retail Monitor, powered by Affinity Solutions, which provides a more accurate look at monthly retail sales. The CNBC and NRF Retail Monitor uses anonymized real-time debit and credit card purchase data to provide timely insights into retail sales activity across all U.S. sectors, categories, and markets. To learn more, visit nrf.com slash crci.